Blog Talk Radio. It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering you to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway Pierce. Hello, 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 and still a happy new year to all of you listeners out there. My name is Speedway, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply by improving the quality of our personal, professional, and spiritual relationships. It is a new year and time for new things, new resolutions, new objectives, new goals, turning over a new leaf and all that stuff. So what about your relationships? Now is the perfect time to assess and figure out what relationships should grow and what relationships should go. So that's what I want you thinking about, what should grow and what should go. As you know, the Speedway Show is all about improving your personal, spiritual, and professional relationships. So today we are going to touch on all three and discuss some signs that it may be time to let some things to let some things go associated with some of your relationships. Those of you who were here in the first um, uh, few months of the show will recognize. My guest speaker today, Sheila Ford. Sheila is an international speaker, author, and coach focused on spiritual growth, leadership, and life planning. Founder and CEO of Mission to Mobilization, LLC, Sheila has authored several books. One is called Love Letters to Him, 52 Poems and Essays Inspiring, Intimate Relationships with God. I've personally read this book, and I can tell you firsthand that in this book, Sheila's writing is passionate, provocative, and powerfully personal. Another book that Sheila wrote is called Kingdom Compass, Do You Know Where You Are Going? This particular book launched Sheila's work in India, and her third book is The Country Compass. Mobilizing the nation through acts of kindness and service, something all of us should be doing. In her project planning, Sheila reaches corporations to correctional facilities. Discussions that she chairs include spirituality, sexuality, sanity, self-worth, and scars, all the exciting S-words. Sheila's domestic work with World Vision includes capacity, community, and relationship development. Visit loveletterstohim.com if you want to learn more about Sheila and pick up a copy of her book. If you forget that, just go to thespeedwayshow.com and click on the post for this show and you will find a link to the book. Sheila, welcome to the show. Thank you, Seaway. Always great to be with you and with the the, uh, listeners. So let us begin with this 
discussion about relationships. Let's start with professional relationships. As we're thinking about letting go, what are the challenges that you have seen people facing when they're dealing with their professional relationships? Well, you know, professional relationships uh, really are what I kind of I would call a requirement. You know, you oftentimes are with people that you work with, um, particularly, you know, in your work setting, sometimes more. You have more waking hours with them than you do with your with your family. And so there are times where there may, may be people or issues that arise in those professional relationships and you really don't deal with them or maybe you don't like a person, um, but you end up having to tolerate them because you're in the workplace, and especially maybe if they if they don't report to you, so you can't try to put them on a pip and try to make you know try to correct yeah. their behavior. And so um, I, I believe sometimes some of the well, one of the most challenging um, relationships is, can be in the professional setting because people don't resolve them. You know, they just kind of say, okay, I'm just going to deal with them, and I'm just going to get through my day. You know, and I don't really have to deal with them, and I'm going to go on. I mean, I'll go home. And so um, I, I do feel like that is that can be challenging because when you when you suppress things, it ends up cropping up somewhere else. Well, I have to say that that has been a huge challenge at times in my career, and I remember there was a time when I had a paralegal, and the first day I walked into this job, she walked into my office, and those of you who don't know very much about paralegals, paralegals support lawyers. And I was the litigation lawyer. She was the litigation paralegal. Walked into my office and said, I just want you to know, I'm not like other paralegals. I am not here to support you or any (laughs) of the lawyers, for that matter. I'm here to do the work that I am here to do. And by the way, I don't report to you. I report to the general counsel, who was my boss and hers, because before I came. And I kid you not, that year was the hardest year of my stay at this particular company, and I almost quit. And every day that I had to go into the office and deal with that woman because she was below me, and ultimately she started reporting to me, and I was really hoping my boss would not do that to me. But he did. And so she's reporting to me, and I'd ask her to do stuff. She just refused to do it. (laughs) And I just remember thinking, oh, my Lord, I don't think I can do this. It was very, very difficult. And it's so much work. I mean, you know, that, that the thing about that, I mean, and typically they, it, it can get resolved because I've been in the same scenario or, you know, similar um, as you. And what you end up having to do really is do so much documentation because, you you know, if you're yeah. thinking about, okay, you identify the person doesn't want to change, you know, they want to keep going on along the train of their behavior. So then you're saying, okay, well, how am I going to either get rid of this person or at least prove to somebody else that this person is crazy? Then you have to start, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to start documenting, you know, everything that you're doing, everything that you're saying, and, me, and then it ends up becoming more or double or triple work. And so it really Absolutely. is extremely hard. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, you've got to find a workaround, right? So the work's got to get done. And so if you're dealing with someone who's either uncooperative or who's going to sabotage you at every step, then you've got to find somebody else to either help you get the work done or some other way, or you you have to explain and justify why the work didn't get done. All that. Right, all of it, all of it, really like a rank. Exactly. So those, those are challenges. 
mm-hmm. that we find in so, the professional setting? Personal relationships. I, You know, this is probably the easiest one, right? So what do challenges in our personal relationships typically look like? <laughs> well, okay, you know, I said, okay, so they're they're all challenging, I believe, but personally, I really feel that uh, we often uh, avoid as well. I think we do a really great job of avoidance. So, you know, in the personal setting, you can just say, you know, if, especially if they're not in your household, Okay, so if it's just if it's a family member or you know maybe a friend or whatever, and you don't like their behavior, you just don't deal with them. So you know, if it's even better than work because you don't have to deal with them every day, you can decide, I am not going to call them or they're not calling me, and I don't have to deal with them. You know, when it's in your household, then that's that's a different scenario. But for, I think for the most part, in personal relationships, it's much easier for us not to deal with um, with the person, uh, and we just um, avoid or just choose not to address whatever that issue is. Yeah, and then Christmas time comes and you and I have to do this coping <laughs> with Christmas kind of show because now you right. got to deal with those people you've been running away from all year. Right, because you're going to have a family setting. You know, everybody's going to be together. You're like, I haven't talked to them for nine months. <laughs> it's okay. You just talk to everybody else at the Christmas party. Yeah. yeah. Um, spiritual relationships. Challenges there. What does that look like? Um, I would probably say that, well, maybe this this is just my my personal, um, you know, thoughts, is that the the spiritual piece probably is the hardest because if you really have taken your spiritual relationship seriously, so your spiritual relationship with God and the development that you have in your relationship with the Lord, that um, you are governed and you are guided by... um, you know what the expectation is in um your relationships professionally and spirit and um personally but especially spiritually and that you come sometimes come across people in spiritual settings that do things that are um unbecoming of maybe a, a Christian or just just downright just mean people that are supposedly spiritual and sometimes you're you know you're really taken aback, you're surprised, you're thinking this is not um this is clearly not the expectation, this is not the behavior that that they're supposed to exhibit, and not really even knowing kind of what to do with that because you know you're for I know that if i i mean I've been in scenarios where I've been maybe in a in a church setting, and the people there was it could even be you know a pastor or a leader they're respected yet they do things that are so disrespectful or hurtful and you really don't even know what to do with that you don't know where to go or how to respond and you're thinking don't you have the same you know bible life manual that I do and so maybe to to say which one is the most difficult I would now go back and retract and say probably I think the spiritual piece probably spiritual relationships when challenging can be um can be the hardest to maneuver within I find too that it is almost universally the 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 work of other people that causes some people to not want 
to have a relationship with God. So I remember asking a friend mm-hmm. of mine, um, so do you believe in God? And he said, oh, no. Why? Because of such and such a person and the way they did I can't believe they did such and such a person and they're supposed to be a Christian. Oh, no. You know, if that's what Christians do, I'm certainly not going to be one. And right. you hear that a lot. And even with people who go to temple, church, you know, masjid, wherever it is that you, you worship, sometimes people who go regularly stop going, either because of something the pastor did, something, a fight that happened between them and somebody else in the church, and we sort of just throw away our spiritual relationship with God because we are so focused on what this person either did or should have done and Mm -hmm. did or didn't do. And um, it's an unfortunate thing because you sit there and you think, well, why would you let that person stand between you and God? I know, and, you know, there's been so many people, I mean, to your point that, you know, you come across and they're not in church or not attending any type of, you know, religious, um, I don't want to say institution, but, you know, any type of services because of something Mm -hmm. that happened. And you end up, I mean, I find myself trying to um, almost apologize for that behavior because I know that it's not right. I know that, you know, how they were hurt or things that when they explain maybe some of the things that that happened, that that is not, uh, it's not acceptable, uh, yet that person did allow that experience to cut them off, you know, from what, um, can be a beautiful relationship with God, um, but also with other people because that there's a separation that comes from you know other people that are connected within um, a spiritual experience. So it's not just mm-hmm. with God, but God flows through people, and so they they end up being cut off from others as well. And so it really. Um, really can really hurt a person in so many ways long in a from a long term perspective as well. Well I think Zig Ziglar, my favorite motivational speaker, said it best when he said, you know, there are a lot of people who say, I don't go to church because there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites in there and he said, Well that just means a hypocrite is closer to God than you are <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, Well I never thought of it that it. way. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> At least they're no, going to get some help, you know. Maybe they're there because they need it. So, yeah. but, but why does it matter? You know, why is it important for us to let go of our relationship baggage? Because I find that sometimes people not only hold on to our relationship baggage, but we want to hold on to our relationship baggage. So why is it important to let it go? Well, you know, there are um, there's so a, a number of things. One, the the um, there has been there are studies that have shown that keeping negative thoughts and you know feelings become toxic. You know that kind of that level of stress can become toxic in your body, and it can turn into um, diseases. So sometimes it can maybe turn into a, to a cancer or ulcers or, you know, different ways that it shows up in our system. And so, I mean, that's probably one of the biggest incentives, you know, to be able to let go because physically it may manifest itself negatively within your body or your system. You know, and then in your mind, just, you know, mentally, 
if you have, I mean, you can just think about, you know, if you have someone that has really offended you, you end up thinking about that person or that thing a lot. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you keep playing it over and over in your mind. Okay, I can't believe yep. they said it like that. You know, and then if you're just by yourself, you're thinking that, and then if you find somebody else to talk to you about it, then you're having conversations about that thing and how they treated you, and then you're speculating on why they did it. You end up spending a lot of time, you know, wait, it's a lot of wasted time, you know, mm-hmm. dwelling on that negative thing. Uh, you know, and then I mean, you know, then just spiritually, I mean, you know, God really wants us to be free of that. But more, you know, probably as important is that either time or your emotion or your physical being can negatively be impacted by carrying, you know, this weight. I am going to play our first clip at this point. And this is a clip that came from um, a show called The Practice, which I really happen to like. Take a listen. I came back, and he asked me to go away with him again. And you said, no, again. You could go. Start fresh. Change your life. I can't. I can't. I have to be responsible. I'm the responsible one. I I can't leave. I was a practice and a mess, and I can't abandon the practice, and I can't abandon you guys. And, and Maya, did I tell you she got into Columbia? What? She got into Columbia, and she wants to go. How am I supposed to help her with that? I went to college with a baby. And Betsy, I mean, I, I, I know I owe it to her to give her the stability that poor child has never managed to have. I mean, I, why can't he understand that? Why can't he understand that I'm just trying to be responsible? Well, what's, what's going on there with your face? I should try not to cry. <laughs> well, <laughs> how often do we do that? Excuses, excuses. Can, can, can. And meanwhile, you're just dying inside. Sheila, what did you think of that clip? Well, you know, I think I really keyed in on just the... Um, often the weight that we take on and sometimes responsibilities for things sometimes that we don't necessarily have to manage. You know, so um, some things we have to own and things that we really need to take responsibility for, but sometimes we take on the, the weight of somebody else's problem or somebody else's issue. And uh, so that's really where my mind went to when I was, thinking about the the clip and and how we really need to learn how to um, examine what's really going on in our own lives. You know, why sometimes do we take responsibility for other people's stuff? Um, Does it make us feel better? Do we feel like martyrs? Do we feel, you know, even prideful and strong because we're, um, you know, we carry someone else's responsibility? And so... um, and and that happens a lot of times in the relationship. And then we end up being frustrated because I may have a friend and, you know, I'm carrying her weight and I'm hurting with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it ends up becoming my problem when it really isn't my problem. And so that um, I, I, just, I just feel like a lot of times we 
we have ex- we, there's a lot of extra baggage in our lives, and a lot of it is because we're really unwilling to to um, kind of own our own stuff and be willing to let go and and not be uh, or, or be comfortable with saying no. That's not that's not my deal. And is it? Do you find? And I've I've noticed this to be true that it seems like what we tend to do is we get into this pattern of thinking that really then becomes a bad thought habit and you talked earlier about how you 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 take a negative situation and you cycle through it and you go through it over and over again and so now you've got this repeated pattern that's 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 going round and round and it almost seems like sometimes we get you know we get a reward from doing that, and and you touched on it a little bit when you talked about sometimes if you're carrying somebody else's baggage, and um, you know you you kind of feel like a martyr, and I wonder especially when you when you find either yourself or your somebody that you know who's really, you know it's not even like they're having a hard time letting go. It's like they really want to hold on to that negativity, and sometimes I I just think well you know there's got to be some reward that you get from holding on so tightly. Well, you know, it there is it probably just is the the owning or having the 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 thing that or having that pain. But I think what we miss is we don't realize the freedom that comes in letting go because we are so focused on holding. I mean, it it requires work. It re- requires a change, a shift to say I'm going to let go of this anger or frustration. And there's also a fear in letting it go because you don't know what that is going to feel like. You feel like you're supposed I mean, it's it's so odd because you it's difficult to sometimes even put words around it, but that you there's a there's a feeling that comes over you when you're holding either, you know, um an offense or a, a problem and um, unless you have been in the place where you've ha- held an offense and then you let go of the offense, you really have no idea what those two places feel like. And I've been there. I mean, and it's it's amazing how free, you know, I was on the other side of kind of forgiveness or saying, you know what, that is, I just, I can't. I can't do that anymore. I can't hold on to that anymore. And, you know, and for me it's like, God, I need your strength to help me to be set free of this. And then when I go to that place, that new place, it's like, oh, my goodness, it was like boulders, you know, <laughs> fell off of <laughs> fell off of me. And so, so that, that for me that became incentive, literally. Incentive for me, when I feel myself starting to, starting to try to hold on to, you know, stuff that I don't believe is mine or if somebody offends me or does something, you know, hurtful, I'm like, okay, I know um, how ugly and, and weighty that can be, and I'm, I, I don't, I'm not going there anymore. Well, and also I think part of it is sometimes a defense mechanism. So if somebody wrongs you, I know one of the things that I had to struggle with and let go of um, after my divorce was, that sense of, well, it was a lot of things. It was anger, it was bitterness, it was hurt, it was confusion, it was disappointment. But you're, you know, I was, I was, I was motivated for a while 
to hold on to those feelings of anger and blame because if I did, then maybe I could protect myself from being hurt that way again. And so it became sort of this defensive thing because if I let go of it, then maybe somebody else would come along and hurt me or I would allow myself to get into a situation where I trusted, I gave my heart, and then next thing you know, I'd be right back in that in that place of hurt and pain. So let me hold on to this because actually it becomes a shield of protection. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and we be, we believe it's a shield of protection, and so I mean that's a, it's a good way to explain it. But it really isn't because you can let go of it and still be protected. But you don't know that until you let go and then walk in, um, you know the uh, kind of the, the new wisdom of saying, I can forgive and let go of that blame and shame and hurt, and have a new. Um, sense of being and a new identity free from that but not uh, being a doormat either. Mm-hmm. Well, now, your particular life manual is the Bible. Listeners, the life manual is whatever spiritual text that speaks to you. Maybe, for example, the Hebrew Bible, it may be the Bhagavad Gita, maybe the Quran, it may be some other text that speaks to you. Sheila, what does your life manual say about dealing with difficult relationships and letting go? That um, honestly, we are supposed to be able to um, forgive or let go of offenses like 70 times 7 in a day. So not like in a whole lifetime, but like if somebody... It's just a day. <laughs> I thought that was forever. Okay, right. I don't have a calculator, but so it's a lot, right? So, yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, who can offend somebody that many times? I mean, in a in a whole day, that's just like. And so to me, you know, it's so, <laughs> so the whole point behind I believe that um, you know passage and, and focus is that it's unlimited amount of kind of forgiveness and letting go, and that we're not to hold on to anything. You know, we're uh, we are to owe no man but to love them. You know, and so um, even in the midst of when people do um, hurtful things to us, that um, that we are to respond in love. I mean, you know, I, I think you know, Dr. King um, was a wonderful example of that. I mean, we have many people, but I, I think about how you know the whole nonviolence approach was about not um, responding in hate or responding mm-hmm. in kind, but to um, to respond with with love and believe that that response is going to get the result and and actually change the heart of the offender. And so that is really the whole purpose of being able to respond in that way. And that's hard, isn't it? Because what you oh my really goodness. want is you want to respond in hate right now because that's what you're feeling that's what you're getting from that other person, and you just want to retaliate, and you just really want to hurt them more than they ever hurt you. Yes, that's I mean you're mad. I mean, really, mm-hmm. I mean you're angry, and you're like you. I mean, when you when somebody hurts you, you want to hurt them back. I mean, that's just that's I would have to believe that that's human nature, you know. And yeah. so it re- it requires 
um, a supernatural um, entity and support to be able to respond in love when your nat when your nature is to retaliate, you know, with hate. And so it can't be it can't be done on our own. I mean, it it, it just can't, you know. And it, as we can see in our culture, people not many people are doing it. Well, you know, I remember reading somewhere in a letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament, mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible, where he says, you know, and I'm not going to get the phrasing right, but the point of the discussion was anybody, even the most despicable person can love someone who loves them. Yes. But it takes true, extraordinary effort to love people who don't love you, to love people who hate you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know, you got a point there. <laughs> right. I'm about to stop patting me and myself on the back for how much I love my kids. Anybody can do that. Right. Especially when you've got good kids. That's not yes. a challenge. It's not. Exactly. Not loving That's... that paralegal. Well, <laughs> that was something else. That uh, was going to take some serious love. You know what I mean? It does, and it takes it takes love, it takes prayer, you know. And, and what I have found, I mean, because it's been it's in so many relationships, the work that I've done just over the years, in so many scenarios, but, you know, I, I think about how um, I needed to be able to look past the offense mm-hmm. and try to see the person. So... I am a, a, a person of prayer, and so one of the things in, in developing my relationship with God over the years, I have come to the place to ask when I when someone offends me or if somebody's like really rubbing me the wrong way, I pray about the situation. I pray about the person, and I ask God to to help show me one myself. What am I supposed to be learning in that relationship? In that offense. Um, if it's if it's hitting me and hurting me, why is it? Is it something that maybe is in my in my history that is, makes this a little bit more sensitive to me? Um, or I think of you know a scenario where there was somebody that was working with me, and that person needed love so bad. I mean the way they had this marshmallow you know interior, but the external was just so harsh and mean mm-hmm. and sharp and you know i felt like god was was um you know having me in their life and for me to be willing enough to kind of stick and stay with them through their harshness i mean because i was i was the only way i was able to find that softness was it was like you know what all right i'm just going to keep praying and and, you know slowly (laughs) have some conversations and then i would say you know i mean i don't know if you realize but you know the way you said that was like really you know, harsh. Not very nice. <laughs> right. I was like, you are, you are so mean. You know, but, um, but, but, but the, but the point was, it wasn't about, um, me and my offense. You know, the, the point that I'm trying to make is that it was that there was something that that person needed, and that it ended up, oh. you know, where the, the I really saw that, um, you know, God was able to really bless that person and change their heart and change their behavior and um really emer- what emerged was a beautiful you know personality and and gifts that were used for the project that we were working on. 
how interesting is that? And all the time, you know, too often when we get into that situation where you're hurt and you're offended, you're so focused on me. Did you hear what she said to me? Did you hear what she did to me? And so I find that kind of interesting that you were able to see that it was really not about you. And it takes a, a, a big person to be able to get to that point of realizing that, oh, it's not even about something that is going on with me. It's about what this other person needs, so I'm going to be the bigger person and step up and give them that because I can see that, you know, the offense is just, essentially it just becomes the, the what's the word, the the trigger yeah. for and, you something know, it, else to happen. And even, I mean, yes, bigger person, but, uh, you know, spiritual maturity because, you know, I'm not so such a great person. I, I My nature isn't to do that. But it did require that I ask God and asked him to be in me to respond the way he would respond mm-hmm. and for me to love the way he would love because that wasn't my love. My love was would have been a very little level, and it would have been like, okay, you go on <laughs> about your business, and, and I'll be fine without you helping on this project. I'll find somebody else that can work, you know. And yep. so, um, so it, it it is it is trying to take the high road. I mean, that's a, a way to approach it, but it's also through prayer and um, asking God to to use you and for you to see even within our life manual how. Um, God's word speaks to how we're supposed to respond, and that that helps fuel the decisions that we make. Well, it is so interesting also that you talk about how prickly this person's exterior was. And I I think sometimes we get so focused on the prickliness and the antagonism that comes at us that we don't see past that to what's really going on inside. So whether you're dealing with someone at work, and in particular I think this is most common when you're dealing with people at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're when you're dealing with someone, when you're working someone who is holding on to uh, bitterness, anger, fear, feelings of intimidation, and maybe insecurity about whatever it is they're tasked to do, what are some of the telltale clues that should that we should be looking for that should clue us into the fact that this person isn't really just a horrible person. Uh, you know, honestly the the Bible says that um all wisdom comes from God and that, you know, God is the one that has an all seeing eye to search the heart of man. So even for our own selves, we can't even see some of the things that are deep down within our own self. Um, and and so when we are even praying, saying, "Search our hearts, O God, show us what is in us that is not that is unpleasing to you." Well, it's even the, uh, a greater case for somebody else. So if I'm in relationship with someone that's prickly and I'm trying to kind of figure out what's going on, but I really need to prayerfully discern and ask God to give me wisdom um, to help me to see 
with his eye really what's going on with the person. And I believe that how you get to some of that, some of those things that are uh, under the surface or what I call kind of at the root of the person's issue um, is, you know, you're having conversation. You need, you need to stay in relationship with them. I mean, and typically that's not what we do. We avoid them and we get out of their lives, and so then we never are able to really get to the root. But the one of the tools is actually to be in the relationship, and, you know, maybe that means have, co- have coffee or you're having lunch with them or you're just taking a little bit of time, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and actually letting them talk. And so... Uh, it's amazing, you know. People one love to talk to talk about themselves. Most people love to talk about themselves, and it's easier for them to talk about themselves because they know themselves. And That's so, I, and so I have found that if I'm if I'm dealing with a prickly person, that um, just giving them the opportunity sometimes to 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 share things about themselves, asking them you know questions about who they are, and it's amazing how things come out, you know. And sometimes there will be. Um, a, a train of thought or, you know, a, a trail of conversation that, that you can clearly, you know, begin to identify. But most of the time that's not going to happen in your first meeting. And so you have to be willing to um, take the time to build a relationship with the goal of not just saying I'm going to try to fix this person because you can't fix anyone, but that you're willing to um, – to want to walk alongside them and maybe help them to to grow and thinking that there's going to be a mutual benefit for you because you're going to grow um, even, either in your patience or maybe your relationship with God. Um, God will be using you. And so I mean, there is this mutual benefit in, um, in developing, you know, that uh, relationship with the person. Well, that takes us to the topic of solutions. So how do we how do we <laughs> – change and how do we adjust and how do we move forward in a way that is positive. And to kick us off on this part of the show, we are going to listen to one more clip also from the practice. This was Dr. Addison Montgomery talking to her therapist. Take a listen. You You say you've been depressed? Not depressed, really. I'm not clinically depressed. I don't write down that I'm depressed. I have a good life. Great job. Good news. You're six weeks pregnant. Let's see how those twins are growing. Okay, I think you're ready to start pushing. I love my job. I do. Can't imagine doing anything else. The rest of my life is fine. It's fine. Like it's a really boring movie that I don't want to watch. But I spend all day long helping other people have a life. I need to clear the field almost better. And I can deal with that. I can if I just knew that something was going to change. Something has to change, right? When is my life going to change? When you make a change. God 
going to come down and fix my life. <laughs> <laughs> right, the easy way. Because it certainly is. Yeah, because it certainly isn't my job. <laughs> I'm waiting for a rescuer. When is Prince Charming going to come and fix my life for me and make it all happily ever after? Um, but isn't that you know how we do? We you know we we just sort of take this learned helplessness approach and we squawk and complain about our lives and we just sit there, don't right. we? Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we do. Yeah, Hope, hoping that it's going to go away. You know, uh, avoidance again, ignoring, and uh, and it continues to eat away at our lives. And and are there things that is happening? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Are there things that we can do, should do, to um, avoid taking baggage from old relationships, old hurts? into new relationships? Uh, yes. So, the big, Well, I didn't think the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so the biggest thing is um, forgiveness. So forgiveness is so huge, and people often don't, we don't talk about it a lot. And... Um, because we do just ignore. And so, you know, I was uh, recently, you know, reading some material from um, Charles Stanley. He's a preacher and... Oh, I like Charles Stanley. Mm-hmm, I know. And so he did a, a study on on forgiveness. And so I want to um, I want to share some of the things that he's talked about. You know, he was saying mm-hmm. because what forgiveness, um, what it is not. You know, it's not ignoring the person or the situation. It's not tolerating the person. It's not excusing the person. It's not forgetting the person. Uh, It's not letting time pass or allowing the abuse. It's not just being nice to them or keeping silent. And it's not even just saying, I forgive you. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and that um, he was, you know, said that, you know, forgiveness really, you know, or how you forgive is that you first recognize that you've been forgiven. I thought that was so good, you know, to know that, okay, you you blow it a lot, okay, even though maybe nobody tells you because they're avoiding you, but but that um, you've been forgiven, you know, by God or or probably by someone that you don't even know that you offended, you know, and that, um, you know, that you want to be able to forgive a debt, that you want to be able to confess, that anger to God, and so it's important that you're not, um, you know, just telling people or even, as I said earlier, just mulling it over in your own mind, but that you're really um, having a conversation with God about the anger and that unforgiveness and the offense that you have. And then the fifth thing was um, that you view others as tools for your growth, and I kind of started, you know, alluding to that earlier that um there that being able to forgive can help you to grow and develop in your relationship um you know with others and your relationship with God and so i mean it, it's it's so important i think forgiveness is is huge you know and one of the things i um 
developed a couple of years ago was this um, acronym called SCARS because I feel like, you know, we get some scars from, you know, having all these hurts. But, you know, I kind of talk about how you, you, do, you really need to deal with it. So you need to kind of sometimes have like a surgery. So sometimes some things are really simple and they're really not really big deals and you just kind of need to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to let that go. I'm not going to hold on to that. But some things are deeper. They're deeper wounds and you really need to, um, you know, go spend time. Um, it may spend time in prayer. You may need therapy. I mean, there may have been something that hurt you so bad, so deeply, either years ago or recently, that um, just saying, okay, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it go, is not enough. That you actually need to spend time, you know, with um, professionals to help you process through that. And everybody has different levels of you know, acceptance of what they, you know, feel like, you know, therapy can do. But um, we all need help, and I think that it's, it's, um, it's a great tool. And then, you know, knowing that, you know, we need self care, that we need to take care of ourselves, um, and you know, paying attention and not ignoring. Um, when something does offend us, you know, you, just like if you have a physical wound that, depending on how deep it is, you know, you're going to at least put something on it. I mean, if it's a very deep, um, you know, spiritual wound, you need to say, I need to care about myself. I need to value myself enough to say I'm going to um, get help and assistance with what's going on, which really takes me to um, kind of an accountability part. You know, that we have people in our lives that really, I think, oftentimes want to help us, mm-hmm. um, but we have different levels of the type of help that we want. You know, we let people in only so far, and I've had a number of relationships over the course of my life where if it wasn't for those accountability partners, those people that would pray with me that or people that I could say, man, I am, I'm messed up, I'm really hurting, and one, I need you to be in my life, you know, just to be able to, so I could have voice, give voice to it, but then I need you to be objective, you know, I need somebody that's not just going to disagree with me and let me wallow in my stuff, but that they were there to to speak truth and be honest and and say, you know, here's some things that maybe you can do to help move you forward or, you know, or be a shoulder to cry on and then, you know, once you finish crying to be able to help you walk. And so I just, I think that it's so, so important. How do you get past those relationship type issues if it is somebody at work? And, you know, it's one thing to let go of a relationship when it is over and the person is not in your face every day. But if you are faced with someone that you have to go and look at and deal with and work with on a regular basis, even after whatever it is has happened, whether it's a betrayal, whether it is you know, somebody trying to sabotage you or somebody misleading you, whatever that is, how do you cope when they're still there? or even when the situation has not really gone away because they're still who they are. Right. Well, you know, part of it is, I think, at least starting with 
trying to see if it can be resolved. Because, you know, if you first, if you avoid and not try to tackle it, you don't know if you can get to a resolution. So I think the first thing is being willing to say, I'm going to at least give this um, relationship an opportunity. I'm going to try to see if we can, you know, clear the air or, you know, clean up, if we can have some type of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Um, and, you know, if if you've done that part, you've done your due diligence on really trying to build a relationship, and you can clearly see that the person doesn't want to, and you've prayed. I mean, I, I feel like prayer is, is, is critical in any relationship um, breaching, uh, or when a relationship has been breached and you want to mend it, that prayer is, is that the um the bridge. And so if you've done that, then you the next step really is you're releasing it to God. And you have to be able to say, Okay, I've done my part and I feel released. I feel free that I haven't avoided, I've really tried, I've made an effort. This person may still be in my life. I'm still having to work with them. But my role, what my life manual tells me is that I am to still treat them with love. I am still to, to be respectful. I am still supposed to, you know, um, be honorable to them. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to put myself in a position where they can continue to abuse me so I can make some decisions depending on what that, um, how the person may be offended in the past. But just in regular uh, work environments, um, my responsibility is to still be kind, is to still be gentle and patient. And that goes back to, you know, needing God's help to be able to do that. And so, A, you are um, making sure you're not avoiding and that you're going to, with prayer, try to bring reconciliation. If the person doesn't want to reconcile, then you need to be free and still live it in peace with all people. What if, let's talk about personal relationships. Okay. I broke up with my boyfriend. I hate him. <laughs> and I'm trying to forgive, right? Because he did whatever it was he did to me. Can't let go, can't let go, can't let go. What of, and let's suppose, you know, he's doing quite well because he was the one who did something to me, so he's fine. And he likes me just fine. And uh, he wants to be friends. What do you do? In a situation, whether it's a male-female relationship, it's a romantic relationship, um, whether it's a same-sex relationship, sometimes you get into it with your best friend and one of you isn't feeling quite so badly about the situation as the other one, and somebody wants to continue the friendship. And uh, if, if, if I am the one who is struggling with bitterness and anger and so on and so forth, do I, should I even make an effort to... Maintain a friendship, and they if they offended you, they offended yes. you. Yes, right. Okay, mm-hmm. right, right. But do I'm they mad. I'm angry. I'm hurt. Right. Okay. Right. I'm just. I'm trying to get clarity. Okay. So, mm-hmm. are they? Do they know they offended you? Well, one would hope, right? Because okay, okay, right, if right. We so, have an honest relationship. Yeah, you, I have said it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, but so you know how because some people because are passive aggressive. They just don't you. say. Right. Well, sometimes people offend you and they don't know they offended you. 
So that's why we're yeah. just trying to get the clarity. Okay, but they something happened and they offended you, and they know that you know maybe what they said, or they can tell the last time you guys talked, it was you know it was ugly. Um, or let's say they, it was something like the boyfriend cheated on me, and I found out. Oh wow! Oh yeah, okay. I'm offended. <laughs> okay, right. okay well, like, so hey, she knows that good? yeah, that was wrong. That was not good. <laughs> she should not have done that. Okay, so um, you know, you your response. First of all, your responsibility and control is only for you. You can only control your own self. So you first have to deal with you and in your relationship with God and saying, God, I need you to help me. I need to get this anger out of me. I am I'm I'm hot. I'm I'm really angry that I can't believe she did this. I mean I best I wanna curse. I'm just <laughs> I'm so angry. But you have to first deal with you. And then you have to be able to say, Can I Lord help me to be able to forgive this person because you want to, you want to be able to forgive them because because of the um the relationships you have with God and his desire for you to be able to forgive all people but also we talked earlier about all the um unresolved um anger and how that can manifest in your body but then um you in the in terms of long-term relationship with this person you need to identify if it is a healthy or safe person to be in a relationship with. So mm-hmm. sometimes that kind of offense that you that you spoke to, that's probably a person that there isn't um, uh, that she doesn't have a high value for the relationship, and, or she doesn't respect the relationship. So it may you may have to put her in a different category of friendship, or maybe she becomes not maybe she's no longer a friend, but she's an acquaintance that you are able to forgive her, but that she's not going to be your best friend anymore because you all don't share the same values, you know, in terms of what um, a healthy relationship is. And so there's this fine line. A lot of times people believe that, you know, when they forgive someone that that means they have to go back to being the same way that they were. Well, you know, most likely it's not going to be. Sometimes it can be, but sometimes it's not, and it's going to be based on the other person um, being able to, to say, how are we going to move forward and um, are they willing to change their behavior in order to maintain a healthy relationship with you. And so I believe that you need to forgive, that it's healthy to forgive, but it also that you need to be able to clearly identify what are the expectations in the relationship as we move forward. And that may mean that person gets put in a different category of the relationship that they have with you. Yeah. Any parting thoughts about... uh Anything else that your life manual might say about anger and bitterness that we should walk away and remember? We've got about uh, we've got a couple more minutes. Mm-hmm. Anything else we should be thinking about? Um, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that um, says that we, you know, we're to let all um, bitterness and wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Um, now, if we're to put all of that away from us, and 
my one of the goals that I I speak of and and have for my life really is, is this place being in this place of peace, and I think it's so important for me to really walk in love and and recognize that you know bitterness and frustration unforgive or not forgiving and um you know holding on to things going to bed you know not letting the sun go down on my wrath i mean all those things um are things that can help me really stay in a place of um, personal peace and love and and joy and that um that is the ultimate goal in my relationship, in my spiritual maturity, in my relationship with God, I want people to see and feel God's love from me. And so whether um, that is where I'm in relationship with someone and someone hurts and offends me and other people, onlookers, see that and they see that I respond in love, that they see I'm not walking in anger and bitterness, that that model of my life can turn someone towards Christ, and just like we talked about with the with the church. And so that's I'm I'm the church. I'm an example. I'm a a, a living example of God's word. And so that is the goal. The goal is to have healthy, professional, personal, spiritual relationships that look like love and um, look like, um, you know, God's love, and that will um, allow me to grow, and it will grow others, and it will also grow um, the the spiritual um, uh, tenor um, in our lives. Well, with that, this takes us to the end of the show, Sheila. Thank you so much for joining me today. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. Well, listeners, it is a wonderful new year. Check out the website at thespiritshow.com. And uh, listen to new shows, check what's coming up, read and post comments, and uh, lots of other things. If uh, Facebook is more your speed, visit uh, facebook.com slash thespiritshow. You can also follow the show on twitter.com slash thespiritshow. Tune in next week when we will be talking to Amazon.com bestselling author Barbara Hoffmeister, all the way from Germany. And we will be talking about why New Year's resolutions don't work and how to live your dreams. Until then, this is the U.S. saying, go in peace and let go of all of those old and funky relationships so that you can make space for something new and beautiful in your lives. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply.